Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. I hope you're doing well. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode is Nick Helm. Um, and it's a cracker. I imagine that uh, a lot of you have probably heard Nick uh, chatting on Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces podcast. If you haven't, go and give that a listen. And before we get on with the episode, I should say thanks to Pip and and all of the other podcasters over at the Distraction Pieces Network. And I'd like to thank 76 for producing this podcast. And thank you lot for uh, for listening and subscribing and downloading and sharing and retweeting and all the social media bits. Thank you very much. Um, if you do like this podcast and it's your first time that you've had a listen, then please go and have a little route around in the archives of, of, of this podcast. There's lots of uh, other comedians uh, uh, over there. You've got Jade Adams, Rich Wilson, Marcus Bergman, James Buckley, God, um, there's there's a load more. Go and have a look. Lots of other musicians and actors and producers. Um, and also, if that's not enough, then I do also have a Patreon page where I put up a, another episode each week over there. So um, please go and have a, a nose over there and you can support the podcast by um, joining up with that. Um, other than that, if you still want some more podcasts in your life, there's a good place to go and find out all about them. And it's podbiblemag.com. That's the digital and print magazine owned by myself, Scroobius Pip and Adam Richardson. Um, we also have a podcast where we chat to all your favourite podcasters about their podcasts and the podcasts they listen to. So that's available on all the usual places. Um, you can find out about that on popbiblemag.com. And in regards to everything else to do with this podcast, off the beaten track podcast.com. Let's get back to the job at hand. Please enjoy Off the Beaten Track Podcast with Nick Helm. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. 
And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, stew with him. Right, we're recording. We are sitting in Hipsterville in East London. And, uh, and and joining me today is Nick Helm. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you ever so much for uh, giving up your time today to uh, to come in and chatting about music. That's all right. So we've never met before. No. Um, obviously, I'm aware of your work, and uh, I've I've also uh, listened to you uh, chat on Pip's podcast. Mm-hmm. But today we're chatting tunes on my podcast. Nick, the song with the greatest ever intro. Say again? The song with the greatest ever intro. The song intro. with the greatest ever intro. What did I... Um, so, I think it's either uh, <laughs> Back in Black by ACDC because it sort of uh, instantly, just from the four clicks, it's sort of like, it's just instantly kind of like recognisable. And... Um, it's just yeah, it's just it's just really cool, uh, and then also, um, Dire Straits' uh, "Money for Nothing," which is kind of like got this huge epic intro, yeah. but also it's been sort of like um, uh, sort of like copied a lot. Uh, I know when I did my I did my uh, was it my first album, when I did my first album, we sort of took. Um, Money, the intro from Money for Nothing, and sort of did sort of like our own version of that. Did you go for the kind of sting? <laughs> we did it, it's all mystic. I think at the beginning of uh, One Way Ticket to Hell and Back by The Darkness, do it as well. Yeah, where it's just sort of like it's all mystic and it sounds sort of like uh, you're in a jungle and you're flying through uh, waterfalls and stuff, and then. All of a sudden, the guitar kicks in, and you go, "Oh, this is all right." <laughs> um, yeah, but for, for money for nothing, I used to I used to write theatre and education, and we used to get in like a minibus, 
And is this a, is this all right? Is this the sort of thing you want, mate? Just keep talking. <laughs> we got we used to be in this minibus, and we had about four tapes. I think we had like Buddy Holly, we had Rolling Stones, uh, we had Dire Straits, and we might have had sort of like Gene Pitney or something like that. And they were like tape decks. So this was like in the mid uh, uh, mid two thousands. And one of the things was Dire Straits and. We would, we would all be like, there'd be like three of us or four of us in the front of this minibus. And whenever that came on, we'd all sort of like, you know, boys and girls, we'd all sort of like mime out the, uh, the drums and everything for that. And then when the guitar kicked in, we'd all sort of like do a guitar and stuff. Um, yeah, and it sort of like reminds me, uh, I, think, I think when it was new, when it came out, uh, we got that album for my dad for his birthday. Broken so, Arms. Yeah, so I guess that must have been 1987 or something like that. A bit before, I think. Um, I just I remember I was in London at the time and I moved in 1988. So it would have been like 1980, yeah, maybe 1986 then. But um, yeah, so it's sort of like, I remember stuff. But then Back in Black is kind of just a classic. I remember I was talking to this... <laughs> I remember I was talking to this... Uh, what did we go and see? I had just been seeing Kiss. Kiss did their farewell tour. Yeah. Uh, we saw the very last day. This was quite recent, right? Yeah, this was like... Yeah. This is like... Um, this is like a couple of months ago. And we saw their very last day at... Uh, I think it was... It was at O2. And, uh, and then the next day they advertised that... You know, they'd retired. Yeah. This was their farewell gig. This was their last gig. Yeah. And the next day they said that they were going to be doing uh, Download or Sonosphere or whichever one is going this year. Um, and it was just like, you fucking dicks. Um, but um, there was this woman that I bumped into who was hammered in this, uh, in this bar at the end of the gig. And uh, we were talking about... She was talking about how Kiss are her favourite band. And I was like, well, Kiss aren't even in the top ten... <laughs> for me, I mean, yeah. I went to see them, but you know, they, they, it was their farewell tour, and, they, and they, it was kind of like they'd played a lot of filler as well, you know. Um, and, I, and I, and she was just like, "Well, who's better than Kiss?" And I said, "Well, ACDC." And she was just like, "Yeah, fair enough." Flawed. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, "All you need to do is hear those four clicks at the beginning of Back in Black, and you know, and you know what." It, what what song it is and she says all I need to hear is that beginning uh, guitar riff and I was like that's the song yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean exactly it's just like, you haven't worn up me <laughs> but you've still <laughs> got the riff to come on back in black yet as I well I know but she was just like all I need to hear is that riff and I was just kind of like that's the song <laughs> that's like that's like listening to the song and then going, yeah. I know that song. It's kind of like, oh, so it's funny. But, uh, so are you a bit of a metaler? No, um, well, I'd say, well, my favourite um, uh, artist is Alice Cooper. Um, but he's not really metal. Um, and he sort of like does lots and lots of different genres, especially, uh, especially over his career. I think he gets sort of like lumped in with what he did in... Uh, the mid to late 80s, where... Because um, at the beginning of the 80s, he was doing New Wave. Mm. And then at the end of the 70s, he was sort of like doing light entertainment. He was doing kind of like Frank Sinatra albums. Yeah. And then Frank Sinatra was covering him. But um, so 
so they did sort of like rock um, and sort of like I guess they were one of the uh, front runners for glam metal but it was never really metal it was always just sort of like weird sort of um, well you know they sing about <laughs> they sing about necrophilia and mm. stuff like that and the in in the first few albums by the band and then they split up so he's gone through lots of different kind of stages and then he he took a break in the 80s in the early 80s because um, he nearly killed himself uh, through substance abuse and then when he came back all of the big bands at the time were people like Motley Crue it's a cock rock and, band uh, wasn't it? yeah and, and, and Motley Crue and Aerosmith and Bon Jovi and basically he just reinvented himself to be like one of them mm. so he started wearing you know uh, black leather, and um, and then uh, so the album he did like three, <laughs> he sort of did three comeback albums, but one, you know, I can't. There's Constrictor, there's Raise Your Fist and Yell, and then there's Trash. Mm. Um, Trash is like the really good one that I that I always wrote off as just a, a it's like a sex album, mm. and because he's a Christian now. He, he doesn't really do anything off that other than poison because he has to. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but I listened to it again recently when I was on tour, and it's just every single every single song on Trash is is incredible, and that's got guest stars like Bon Jovi and Steven Tyler on it. So um, so yeah, it's sort of like it's. I mean, like I don't know what that sort of music would be. It's not really metal. It's more rock, I guess. It's, yeah, I just think it's, it's rock. I mean, then he did he did Wayne's World after that, and then of course. Um, and but that was sort of like his, his rebirth. Yeah. You know. Um, uh, but yeah, I would say I do like I like hard rock. I suppose. Yeah. Or I like. I, I mean, ACDC's rock and roll. I wouldn't say that's metal. And some of the stuff that. I mean, I went. I went to see Kiss because my mate got me a ticket, mm -hmm. and, um, and <laughs> you got to sort of distance. You know. I really loved Ace Freely from yeah. Kiss. So, that, but he left in like the early '80s. So, so you sort of like see them, but then it's not. It's not the band. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't say that I was particularly into metal. You know, I like Dolly Parton. Nothing wrong with that, mate. So I like anything. You know, if it's good, I like it. There's only two types of music, mate, good and bad. Track two, Nick. Mm. First song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? Um, it was uh, Reet Petit by Jackie Wilson, which, um, which I think that now I'm thinking about it, I probably had, in terms of the song, in terms of how I connected to the song, I probably had more of an emotional reaction to something like It's a Sin by the Pet Shop Boys. That's a good record. So my mum was really into uh, Erasure, Pet Shop Boys and Whitney Houston. And when she used to go and pick my mum, uh, my sister up from school, she'd leave me in the car and I would just have the tape deck and I'd be listening to like Pet Shop Boys over and over again. And when on my tour now, I've got like Erasure and uh, Pet Shop Boys as my sort of like audience music. They're two bands that have been very, very important in my life. Oh, really? Massively. Yeah, yeah. they're great. I mean, like, I mean, Pet Shop Boys, my all time favourite Pet Shop Boys song is uh, Always On My Mind. And I think it's better than Elvis. So do I. I think it's absolutely like that. I have an emotion, and I must have been about, you know, 
five or six when I, I listened to that. That has an emotional impact, always on my mind. His voice, Neil Tennant's voice on that is just yeah. so beautiful. And, um, and it's sort of like, just to be a wanker now, it sort of ju juxtaposes with kind of like the, uh, the synthesizer, you know, it's kind of like you've got this mass produced sort of like sound. Yeah. And then you've got Neil Tennant's voice and together they kind of like, they, they're just, they work so perfectly together, they're just beautiful. And Elvis is great, obviously mm. Elvis's version of that is great, but it's kind of like um, theatrical. Yeah, and so I, big orchestral stabs, and it? also his voice—he's just—he's doing a real performance on it, and you kind of feel, kind of, I guess, a little bit subconsciously, like uh, he's replicating that every yeah. time, you know. So you're slightly being emotionally manipulated. Yeah. Whereas Neil Tennant, he's so stripped back with with his, you know, mm. he's not really doing loads. Yeah. And I think it just comes across as more emotionally resonant. Yeah. But I didn't pick that. I picked Reap Petite by Jackie Wilson because that was number one on Top of the Pops for, for ages. Yeah. There was like this claymation um, uh, music video for it mm -hmm. where Jackie Wilson made out a plasticine and then he was sort of like doing loads of, you know, he, they'd, they'd morph him into loads of different things. And... Um, and I, as a tiny child, I don't know, I might have been three or four, I was, um, yeah, I loved that music video. And it was, and I think it, it feels like it was number one for about, you know, 15 weeks. It was number one for a long while. Well, it was definitely in the charts for a really yeah. long time. And then I just knew, and then, and then it got knocked off the number one spot. And I realised that um, my, tiny, my tiny mind just uh, equated that with the fact that I will never see that video ever again and I will, I'll it. never hear the song again yeah. that's it now it's not on the charts how how do you listen to this stuff yeah. you, you know you tune into um, tune into Top of the Pops every week and then that would be kind of like your access to music and if you liked something you'd kind of like you would watch it on Top of the Pops yeah but I was I, I was tiny I wasn't going to the shops and buying you know records and stuff so all of my music was through my parents. So when Reapty got knocked off the number one spot, I was sort of absolutely gutted by that. And I cried, you know. <laughs> was that the emotion? Sorry. That's the emotion. That's how, <laughs> that's how I'm saying. That, that, that's how I was like saying. It was literally the fact that the song was taken away from me by the yeah. general public that made me... And still, why I don't trust them to this day. Yeah, uh, don't. And, but but it was taken away from me, and then it was just kind of like, um, and and it made me really sad, and I cried about it. Whereas something like "It's a Sin" by the Pet Shop Boys, that the, the actual song, the actual content of the song, is something that you emotionally connect with, and always on my mind. Those two Pet Shop Boys songs are incredible. I don't know why it, it felt around that time with um, the Jackie Wilson track that I don't know if it was off the back of a 501s advert, but there was a big spate of re-releases of Benny King's Stand By Me and When A Man Loves a Woman by Percy Sledge, uh, Jackie Wilson, and then after that, Jackie Wilson then re-released I Get The Sweetest Feeling as well, I think. And when th later on there was Chubby Checker and the Fat Boys. There was, the twist. So, um, I, I just think that that's nostalgia. I think that uh, it happens with films as well, where the people that were teenagers in the 50s, they were middle-aged in the 80s. Yeah. So you got films like Back to the Future that were being made where... It's about like an 80s kid, but um, 
he goes back in time 30 yeah. years to when Robert, Zeme- Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, it's when they were growing up. Yeah. That's what it's really about. It's not yeah, about yeah. the 80s. And if you listen to kind of Marty McFly's language in Back to the Future, it doesn't sound like the language of, an eight, uh, of a kid in the 80s. Yeah. He says stuff like, oh, this is heavy. Yeah. And you go, well, that sounds like a kid from the 60s. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, so there was like this nostalgia thing in the 80s for like stuff from the 50s. And just as kind of like in the 90s, there was stuff for the 60s. Yeah. You know, when, I was, when I was at school, we used to, you know, everyone listened to the Beatles and the Kinks. And, uh, and it's just this, it's just this and now it's kind of like there's a nostalgia for the 80s yeah. you know? so it's just it happens in sort of like generational cycles where every 30 years people want what happened 30 yeah. years before so I, I think that that's the best way to explain it but I mean it happened in loads of films Stand By Me being one of them as well Stand By Me Blues Brothers as well mm. that goes right back to all of, all of yeah. that sort of nostalgia Track three, Nick. Mm. Song that reminds you of your time at school. Oh well, I put "Boom Boom Boom" by the Out Here Brothers, but that's uh, that's because I hated it and uh, and and I hated school and um, all of all of the popular kids. I mean, they would literally sing it all the time out loud. It, you, you mean you couldn't get away from that song? Yeah. I think I even went to Thought Park once and I was really embarrassed because the lyrics in it are really pornographic and there were some older kids that were singing it in front of me. Is that? Yeah. I only know people let me say wayo. It's all about uh, bending someone over and fucking them. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Did not know that. And getting their booty on your face. Right. So that's that's the thing and it's kind of like... uh, let me take you from behind. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that's all the stuff. And, uh, and there was there was some old <laughs> kid. Oh, oh, I re-listened to it to make sure that I knew what I was talking about. But it was just like <laughs> there were some older kids that were singing it at Thorpe Park when I went on a family on a family outing, and you just, and they were singing it out loud, and you just like go, I'm with my I'm with my mum. Oh, that's I embarrassing. Need, I don't need to hear this. <laughs> I, I'm waiting to get on the vampire road. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm getting on Mystic, on the, the Mystic River. Um, so yeah, so I've just got loads of uh, like I I don't know what I kind of like. Another one would probably be Misshaped by Pulp, where um, I went to. Um, we used to go to our price on Saturdays, and I don't know what my friends bought, but they were buying kind of like uh, stuff like the Out Here Brothers, mm-hmm. and I bought uh, Misshaped by Pulp, and everyone was sort of like sneering at me. Well, I say everyone, there's three of us, but they were kind of like taking the piss out of me because I'd bought... There was that nice choice there, Nick. Mm. And you go, well, out of pulp... I mean, I've just always had good taste. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> History has been kind to me. Yeah. Where, where you know, the Out Here Brothers... I don't know what, I don't know what Dave is doing now, but, like, he's probably not listening to the Out Here Brothers. No. So, you said you didn't like school... Mm. Which you were misshaped. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I didn't fit. Yeah, I guess I didn't really fit in. Not in, certainly not until um, late year eleven, early sixth form. I didn't really. Uh, I was. I was. Uh, I was sort of like trying to hang around with the wrong crowd. There were like all of the um, popular kids and the bullies and stuff like that. 
and you just think that if you were closer to that, then you were less likely to be on the wrong end of it. Yeah, but in actual fact, that you you were just easily accessible, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then what I found was when I as soon as I started uh, making friends with, uh, I always did like art and drama and stuff, and English, and um, and what I found was when I started hanging around the art block with, I mean. Year by year, all of the bullies would hang out with their year group. But when you went to the art block, it would be kind of like you'd have year 9, 10, 11, and then you'd have sixth form, and the sixth formers were having house parties at the weekend, and you were going to house parties when you were in year uh, 10 or 11, and you were going out and underage drinking, uh, and, um, and you were doing all of the... You know, not that Andre's drinking is cool, guys, but you were doing all the cool stuff. Yeah. Whereas when you were kind of hanging around with all the popular kids, they were doing roller disco on Friday night yeah. in in uh, in Welling Garden City. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, um, it was sort of really eye-opening that there were all of you know there were all of these people that I kind of like knew and recognised from uh, from drama. And they were getting picked on in kind of like lessons. Uh, and you'd be like, oh, God. But they'd keep their heads down. They're very quiet. And then when I started hanging around with them, they was like, oh, my God, they're crazy. They're like crazier than anyone yeah. else that I met. And then I think uh, also year 11 was the year that uh, I went to... Uh, I, did, I did Edinburgh. So I, that was 1997. And my teacher took us up to the Edinburgh Festival and we did Romeo and Juliet. And we spent a week up there. And then um, and then that was when I realised that that's what I want to do. I want to go up to Edinburgh every year and do that. Um, oh, so you wanted to be an actor at school? Uh, I wanted to... I guess I wanted to, I wanted to act, but um, I also wanted to write. And I was in a band and, you know, I was, I was good at painting. And I can't paint now, haven't yeah. I? But, you know, there's only so many outlets that you have... And it's kind of like where well, you can focus on one thing or another. I normally ask guests if, like, you know, if, if they were, you know, creative students, was it was it encouraged? But I guess if you've got a teacher taking you to Edinburgh, yeah. And I bumped into someone that didn't do drama recently. He came to see me in Edinburgh, and he said that um, he always, you know, he was one of the popular lot. Um, and he uh, he's a lovely guy, and um, uh, and he just said that. But we weren't ever close, you know. But he's he's now really into comedy, and so I'm on his list of stuff. Like he's obsessed with comedy, so I'm on his list of things. It was funny. I was on stage and I uh, and I saw him in the audience, and I hadn't seen him in years. I maybe bump into him once every five years uh, back at home at Christmas, and I saw him in the audience, and I sort of did the the pint gesture from the stage, <laughs> just like, "Do you want a pint?" Uh, and so we went for a drink after. He was basically saying that. Um, he always, I don't think he said jealous, but I think I, I just used the word jealous for want of a better one, but he was always sort of like jealous of the fact that um, if you did drama, uh, it, you were encouraged to kind of like go off and do drama, and there was no real equivalent uh, for any of the stuff that he was into. I would argue that if you were into sports and PE, he, I'm, I'm not sure necessarily he was, but if you're into sports and peer, you're always encouraged at school. Mm. That's kind of like... And if you don't do that, then it's kind of like, 
well, uh, well, what do you do? Yeah, and yeah. Th- that's still very much the case. I, I see that at my daughter's school, and it's it's it's, it's a shame. It was, it was sort of like I was terrible at PE, so it's kind of, uh, you, uh, we'd have PE teachers. They weren't bad people, but they were just like, I don't know what to do with you because you're rubbish at PE, yeah. and that's all I do. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like, it was weird, but when you did find your place, it was kind of good. We did art trips, you know. We went to, like, um, we did, like, a, an art trip where we went to Venice. We drove from St Albans to Venice. <laughs> Took 26 hours on a coach. That's fun for about two hours. It was. I was sat next to uh, this guy called Colin, and uh, he was wearing an England shirt, and he was doing football chants all the way. And you just like, go, as soon as we had like a changeover, I'd be like, can I sit next to you? <laughs> <laughs> and we'd swap, I'd swap places. But yeah, it was. But you know, so we we had sort of like that sort of school. I didn't do I didn't do music at school, but there were kind of like loads of music trips where they'd go to Europe and stuff. Um, but with, with drama, we went up to Edinburgh and then I did that like three years in a row and that kind of changed my life. You know? uh, and, uh, and my parents encouraged me as well. And, you know. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. So... Growing up at home, was there was there music on at home? Yeah, my dad like was really into. It's weird. My dad was always really into classical music, and my mum. Sorry, I'm aware you did just just remembering now. You were saying about your mum playing Erasure and the Pet Shop Boys. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go on, sorry. But like, so, my, so, but like, it wasn't just that. It was just kind of like. Um, uh, so my dad was always really into classical music. I've only just, literally, within the last year, found out that he was a Beatles fan. Okay. And he's never mentioned it because my mum was the Beatles fan. Uh, she married my dad because he looked vaguely like Paul McCartney. I get that. Vaguely. Yeah. Very vaguely. Would he have got away as a lookalike? No. No, but he. Had, uh, but when he in his in his youth he did sort of like have the air of a, a an Ian McCartney maybe. Right. But, but not not Paul. Um, <laughs> and so. Uh, so so my mum used to like listen to the, the, the Beatles and stuff like that and, and, and like contemporary pop music. Um, my sister was into the Bangles. Um, I think I probably like Bananarama, you know. Um, uh, I really liked Aha. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> um, What's uh, not to like? Well, how many songs did they have? They had, there's, there's two I can think of. Okay, take on me. Take Sun away shines on TV. No, not not even that one. Touchy, you no. are the one. No. Stay on these roads. No. Hunting high and low. No. Um. Oh, please, no, talk to me. Um, I've been losing you. No. Uh. 
Blimey. Uh, the other, the Bond one. Yeah, the Bond Living one. Daylights. Yeah, that's Living Daylights, <laughs> that's right. It was literally, yeah. Um, but now you mention it, there are a few. Um, but yeah, so, so uh, and there would be like days where you could take music into school. Yeah. Where, um, uh, you know, it'd be kind of like the day before the holidays type thing. Um, and I remember that we had Beach Boys 20 Golden Greats. Nice. So I took that in, you know. Um, you know, like going back to that 80s, 50s thing, it's kind of like even stuff like Teen Wolf, you know, he's sort of like surfing on the top of his... Yeah. Uh, surfing on top of his van, so he's listening to the 60s. There's always like this nostalgia thing. Kind of, they would always put kind of like um, rhythm and blues or soul music yeah. or uh, surf music in 80s films mm. because it was kind of like that to the filmmakers is what was cool. Yeah. And did the Fat Boys do something with the Beach Boys? I'm sure they done. Didn't they do surf. Fat Boys versus the Beach Boys? Yeah. They did Wipeout. They did Wipeout. And, right. and it was, it was like uh, it was like for, for four long years we taught the nation. When we got back, we needed a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the Surf Boys versus the Fat Boys, or the Fat Boys versus Surf Boys. But then they did like a. Team up video with Freddy Krueger as well. So they, yeah, uh, good point. So they were they were they were doing everyone. Um, yeah, so it was weird. So there was always sort of there was always mu- there was always music in the house, I suppose. But we also list- used to listen to classical music and Ennio Morricone. Uh, we had sort of like um, uh, musical soundtracks as well. Um, Sound of Music, Paint Your Wagons, uh, Paint Your Wagon. Um, I think every household in the 80s would have had that. That was one. What, that was, Paint Your Wagon? Yeah. I've got two copies of it, have two of two with two different covers, and I don't know how that's happened. I've got, like, the brown one. Which yeah, there's the brown one, yeah. and I've, there's sort of like a sort of like a bottle green one as well. Right. I've, I've got... <laughs> I, I don't know how I've got them both. Yeah. I think one of them might be a film soundtrack, and one of them might be kind of like uh, uh, the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra yeah. trying to recreate it, but... Um, Yes, there was was there anything on there other than I was born under a wandering star? I was <laughs> born under a wandering star. Out the window, past those beans. Out the window, past those beans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's that one. Uh, and um, what, was the, what was the Clint Eastwood one? It was like, he sings it when he's going under yeah. through the trees. And I'm pretty sure it's got trees in the title. But there's that. See, we can do that. We can name eight aha songs yep. and almost three songs from Paint Your Wagon. It's from one of the albums. From one of the... It'll be the same one. It'll be, it'll be the same songs. But, yeah, that was sort of like... And pipe music as well, Latin America, because my parents went to... Um, before I was born, they kind of like... Um, they finished university and then they travelled Latin America. And so I guess they came back and they listened to... One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. 
With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The sort of panpipe music and stuff like that. So... Ours, this is all happening in St Albans, yeah? No, that was all in London. Oh, OK. So when did you move... How old was you when you moved from St Albans to London? I was about seven or eight. I was uh, probably... I think it was 1988, so I'd have been seven, just before um, the summer holidays. Uh, and then, yeah, I was born in 1980, so I was, I was eight when we moved. How, how's that, at, at that age, changing schools and... <coughs> well, I did. Well, I've never sort of like. Um, basically, I live now where I grew up. Yeah. So my mum used to take us to the Holloway Odeon, and you can see the Holloway Odeon from the roof of my building that I live in. And um, used to go to Parkwood Primary School, and you know I've lived, and, and we used to go shopping and kind of like. Um, Seven Sisters and stuff. So, I've lived in Seven Sisters. As soon as, soon as I've kind of like been able to move back to London, I've sort of moved back to London. I lived in Seven Sisters for a while, and then I went out with a girl that lived in uh, Stockwell in South London, and I never really got on with South London that well. Um, and then I just moved back to um, Holloway, and and I've lived in Caledonia. Do you know what I mean? So I've just sort of like gravitated back towards North London, where I think... It's sort of like it's where I feel most at home, and I think that's that's basically because that's where I grew up in Finsbury Park, and then St Albans was sort of like a big culture shock, where yeah, it's just kind of like it was it was just a, it was just a lot more uh, middle class, uh, a lot whiter, and it was just kind of like and if you were unusual then uh, then you were a thing to be mocked. Do you know what I mean? So, like, one of my, one of my uh, best friends now is um, uh, was my friend uh, Rebecca, who I went to primary school with, and you know she was Chinese, and it's kind of like I was fat and she was Chinese, and now we're still friends. You know, thirty almost, yeah, or oh, thirty, thirty-two years later, we're we're best friends, and it's kind of like you know you don't if you didn't if you didn't fit into some, into St Albans and it was kind of like it was pretty miserable and I didn't fit in I didn't play I didn't play sports I had like an overactive imagination uh, I was uh, I wasn't over well we moved over a weekend on the Friday I was in London and I had all my mates and then we moved over the weekend and then on the Monday I was the fat kid at school and it was just kind of like oh 
I, d I wasn't fat on Friday, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's happened over the weekend. Yeah. And then I was f the fat kid until... Um, well, I've always been the fat kid. I mean, I've just posted a picture of myself online and everyone's telling me how fat I am. And you go, oh, cool. Do you know what I mean? So it's just kind of like, it's just, it's just one of those things where, um, who gives a fuck? Well, if it's, not, if it's not directly affecting you, if it's not you, you can say it about everything though, right? Yeah. But if it's not directly affecting you, then who gives an honest fuck about what anyone else is doing as long as they're not hurting anyone? People um, are cunts, mate. People are cunts. But, that's, but, but that was my... I'm not like saying that's everyone in St Albans, but that was my experience at school. Mm. And it was like that until, you know, from late, mm, late nursery school or, or primary school... Uh, no, junior school it was, or infant school. I mean, what's the difference between any of these things? Yeah. It's not nursery school. It was, but it was like infant school. When I, when I went between infant school and junior school, it was, it was kind of like fairly miserable up until about year 11. But, um, but you just sort of like try and keep your head down and get on with stuff. I'm pretty sure that's why I'm, I'm creative, though. It's because I would just invent scenarios where... What, it's escapism? Yeah, for myself as well. I, I mean, it's not so much that, oh, I'm getting bullied, I need to keep my head down and disappear. It's just like, well, I don't want to hang around with these pricks. Yeah. So I've got to make my own entertainment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not like I'm hiding from them, just the fact that I don't actually want to hang out with them. Yeah. Because they're arseholes. <laughs> yeah, of course. And so it's kind of like, so, you know, I think it's kind of... Certainly why I started, like... Writing, um, but also I started writing music to sort of like deal with kind of like um, adolescent emotional stuff. Um, yeah. Well, I imagine just pre this, um, I want to know for track four, Nick, what the first song was you bought from a record shop. I, I can't remember exactly what it was. I think Do the Bart Man was later. I yeah. think I must have been, uh, I was in St Albans then. Yeah. And uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, original soundtrack. Yeah. I remember buying that as an album. Was it, what was on the album, aside from that uh, one? Partners in Crime, Turtle Power. Yeah. Um, there was just all of the... There was all of the uh, uh, instrumental stuff. Oh, right. It weren't all by that No, it was... It was uh, you'd have sort of... I thought the music was... The music was really good, and it's kind of like... And it got me into sort of like film soundtracks, where now I, like, really love, like, John Carpenter, Ennio yeah. um, uh, Morricone. Um, it's kind of like... Uh, yeah, so you have sort of like the orchestral kind of stuff, and then some, like, pop songs were put in there. But I was just obsessed with turtles. But I would have been maybe like nine or ten by that point. So the thing that, and then like my first like Alice Cooper album, that was when I was thirteen, when I was getting my braces tightened, and uh, it used to really hurt. And it, we were in Hemel Hempstead, and my mum and me would walk past this record shop, and there was a Last Temptation by Alice Cooper in the record shop, and um, it came with a comic book. And I, the comic book is what f was like oh. But also, my mate had uh, played Lost in America, which was the single off that album. And um, uh, and just to stop me from like whining about my teeth hurting, my mum got me uh, the album. And then that was sort of like, that was the birth of me being in love with Alice Keeper for the rest of my life. Um, but what, like. What, what appealed about that? Just, I, do you know what really appealed was that I thought it was funny. I thought it was, I th in my head, I thought it was going to be something that was really creepy. 
uh, and uh, actually I was quite a sensitive kid so I would see posters for Nightmare on Elm Street on the underground and I'd have nightmares you know um, and then so Alice Cooper was always just this thing where I just thought I won't be able to handle that it'll be too intense too scary and then when I listened to that yeah. album I think that album is probably my favourite album of all time really um but when I listen to that album, it's a concept album, so it tells a story from beginning to end. Um, and also, it's funny. It's just a really funny album. There's, uh, I didn't realise how funny and intelligent the lyrics were until until I sat down. Probably Lost in America was a good sort of like entry point because that is a really funny song. Um, and it's also sort of like a rock song as opposed to anything that's sort of like particularly gothic. And um, Would you visualise stuff when you listen to it? Yeah, but then also came with a three-part comic book, so oh, it's just course, yeah. so. But but uh, you weren't re you didn't necessarily read it when it came along, but like, and I don't, and I like the comic book, but I think that the, um, it's also the the imagery from the from the songs is kind of like, um, is like really sort of like creepy in places, but it's like a really good blend of kind of like witty, humorous lyrics and kind of like. Uh, haunting creepy imagery you know he's like talking about like zombies that are <laughs> rising from the dead or like ghosts of the past it's it's all about like this kid who's it's like a morality tale and he plays like the showman who is basically tempting this kid to sort of like uh, come to hell and he's like offering him all of like the riches in the world if he signs a contract with the devil yeah. and it's kind of like uh, and, and this was like just after Alice Cooper became Christian. And when, at the time, you listen to it and you go, he's playing the bad guy. It's kind of, well, he's, it's not very Christian, right? But then he's kind of like, and I'm not Christian. But when you look back on it, you go, yeah, it's an incredibly religious. It's called The Last Temptation. Mm. But it's an incredibly religious album where he's basically, it's a morality tale. And that's how he kind of like worked his uh, religion into what he did or what he does. Um, but yeah, and, and he kind of like describes these kind of like um, uh, ghosts and zombies and stuff as kind of like they've got air conditioned brains and it's kind of like, you know, it's just like real creepy kind of tactile kind of imagery that makes you feel uncomfortable. But then, but then <laughs> there's also some really funny lyrics in there. And um, I just, and the tunes are really great. So I just always really love that. The first actual album I remember buying was my dad took me to see Masters of the Universe and um, and it may have been Holloway Road and on the way I remember getting the uh, my the Michael Jackson mix which I always thought was called the Michael Jackson mega mix but I looked it up before I came on here to sort of like work out whether I'd invented it or not and no it was called the Michael Jackson mix and it was sort of like beginning to end Michael Jackson songs from Jackson 5 to like present day which would have been I guess bad era yeah and it was just sort of like someone had just mixed all of the songs into each other and it was like a two tape uh, set so I bought that did it have like a pink sort of cover and sort of a purple cover of a silhouette of Michael Jackson in some sort of like haze and then it was kind of like funky Funky. I, I don't think it was an official product. Yeah, I can't, I've not heard of that. Um, it was... Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, and that probably wasn't the first. I probably already had bad, but I probably didn't go to the shop and buy that myself. Yeah. 
but I did buy that. So I must have been five or six for that. Okay. But I, I, and I remember it being connected to Masters of the Universe, but at the same time, it may just be two separate memories. But I was with my dad. Well, moving forwards a few years, uh, for track five, Nick, I asked guests the song that soundtrack their years clubbing. I gather this wasn't in Ibiza. What have I put? Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah. Well, I never went clubbing. So we always used to do uh, house parties and stuff. So um, I just remember every time when I was at university, um, I'd go, every time we'd go out, I was never like a massive Pearl Jam fan. Um, and I was never really into grunge that much. I, I mean, but that's the thing. Grunge killed rock. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I was kind of like, just as I was discovering like rock music, there was kind of like grunge music, and I kind of like I like I like Nirvana. Everyone likes I like Nirvana now, but um, like the MTV Unplugged album is one of my favourite albums mm-hmm. of all time. Um, and uh, so I I I I, I like, but I wasn't really that into them when I was when I was a teenager. Um, was there rock clubs at uni that you go to, or alternative clubs, or whatever you wanted to call We them? used to, well, um, our student union was pretty good. Where, where um, was uni? I was at Winchester. Um, well, our student union was not pretty good. Our student union was awful. <laughs> it wasn't awful. Somewhere between the two. I, d- I don't have a lot to compare it to. But what I would say is that um, we, you know, they would play kind of like a, a wide mix of stuff. But predominantly S Club Seven, mm-hmm. and uh, so when we were in Winchester, me and my small group of friends, what we used to do is we used to like pay two pounds fifty and go on the train to Southampton, and then there was a heavy metal club in Southampton called the Nexus, and it was like I always said it was like two badly welded together sheds, and <laughs> you'd go in and they would play sort of like clips from uh, from. Like films, so there'd be like stuff like I remember specifically there'd be sort of like the uh, trench run from Return of the Jedi, and then there'd be uh, uh, the bit with Robert De Niro with the rocket launcher and Ronin, and then miraculously, all of the images on the screen would sync up with all the music that they were playing, and um, yeah, it was it was really cool. But I would always request Mankind by Pearl Jam because No Code is like. Um, Weird. No Code is my favourite Pearl Jam. And that's album. that's the album that I guess was the one where they probably lost the last of their not diehard fans that had been on board for the first three. There are a bunch. There is quite a lot of pretentious stuff on that yeah. album. There's some fucking great songs on there. But don't there's you? some. But even even this even the spoken word stuff um, is kind of like. Uh, I'm very nostalgic for, and I and I think it's like a I think it's a pretty good going to bed album mm. where you can have it on in the background while you drift off. Mm. Um, but um, but and mankind is kind of like the the song that Eddie Vedder didn't sing, you mm. know. So it's kind of, but it's it's like it's um, a proper rock song, and um, and I really loved it, and I would request it everywhere I went, and no one ever played it. Like no one ever played it. I've been a, uh, a an indie rock DJ for 27 years, and I've never played that. 
No. Like, and, and I, I really like Pearl Jam a lot. It's a great song. It it's is. like heavy. I mean, it's like you can dance yeah. to it. Do you know? Yeah. You can't dance to a lot of stuff off No Code. No. Have you seen them live? Uh, no, I think I'm going this year. You're going to go to the date with the Pixies at Hyde Park. Um, I think, I think, I think so. I've had a conversation with someone about it, and I can't remember whether I've got a ticket for it or not. But, um, but yeah. It's good. They're good. I saw them in Hyde Park a couple of years ago. No, I bet they are. I mean, like literally, everyone. Might <laughs> they didn't play mankind. <laughs> everyone might play mankind. <laughs> <laughs> like, if they, if they, if, if Pearl Jam aren't going to play mankind, then no one's going to play mankind. Yeah. It's such a good song, um, but it's my generation of kind of like uh, you know it's what what everyone that from my year at university or my university that I was friends with they were all super into pole jam, yeah. and I never really was. Yeah. But and so it's kind of like maybe I'm just an awkward person. No one's favorite Pearl Jam album out of people I know is uh, No Code. No, you're the first person that I've ever met. Who's but when I say it's my favourite Pearl Jam album, I'd say it's one of my favourite albums. Yeah. Of all time. So, you know. But... But that's kind of like why I like Alice Cooper and why I like uh, Army of Darkness. You know, my, f- my favourite film is Army of Darkness because it's just like, no one told me that I had to like this film. You know, I went to the video shop and I picked that film. Yeah. And then I fell in love with that film. And nobody told... I bought that Alice Cooper album, everyone was listening to the Out Here Brothers, you know, no one was, that wasn't cool, Alice yeah. Cooper wasn't cool. Um, you knew what you liked. He was writing Christian albums, you know, and I kind of like, and I discovered that for myself, and yeah. I think it's, when you discover stuff for yourself, that is kind of like, I think that's, it defines who you are more than if it's just given to you. Completely. You know? Uh, before then, I was listening to sort of Bon Jovi and Brian Adams and stuff like that because that's what my sister listened to, mm. you know, and the Bangles. Or my mum was into Tina Turner, and it's kind of like, you go, yeah, sure, that's what I like all that. I still like all that music. Yeah. But the stuff that I love is the stuff that I discovered for myself. Yeah. And that's maybe when you go, uh, you see like a two for one. Uh, bucket at MVC in Winchester, and one of the things is. Uh, is uh, No Code by Pearl Jam and you buy it because it's cheap and then you listen to it and you realise it's incredible, you know? Yeah. But that's not because anyone ever recommended it to me. So did you ever go clubbing? Did you ever try them kind of high street clubs where they play sort of commercial dance music? Did that happen in your student years? No. I mean, we went to, we went to this heavy metal club, but, um, but not every week. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that I... Ever particularly went clubbing. I've been since, but, you know... What do you want from it? What do I want from it? I want to sit down now. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I don't know what I want. I always feel sort of like, unless I'm hammered, I always feel awkward dancing. So yeah. it's just kind of like... Um, do you enjoy dancing, though? Yeah, but I like dancing on my own in my kitchen. OK. You know, it's... Um, uh, it, I, don't, I don't enjoy publicly. Yeah. Yeah, and weddings and stuff. I'm just like I'm alright. Yeah. Unless I'm hammered, and then I'm really going for it. Yeah. What what kind of sort of expressive moves happen in your kitchen? I do a lot of sliding around on my feet. I love it. But I I do I do love to. I mean that's uh, yeah I do love dancing. Yeah. I mean that's what good music does really, isn't totally. it? Totally. But um, I, I don't. It's like public displays of affection, isn't it? I don't yeah. need to publicly display. My dance moves. Yeah. (laughs) 
Track six, Nick. A favourite uh, song from an artist from your home county. So yeah. I, I grew up in London, so I put um, uh, Amy Winehouse, uh, Back to Black. Um, my dad really loves Amy Winehouse, which is odd, because it's like, you know, you, it, it, it's, it's odd because, you know, all of a sudden you just learn this thing. He just thinks that she's got an amazing voice, and, uh, and she does. Um, uh, but then also, um, uh, what was the Zombies song that I picked? Uh, Time of the Season. I mean, I think that the Zombies are actually from St Albans. In actual fact, my ex-girlfriend's um, granddad was Jim Rodford. And uh, he used to play in the Kinks, uh, in the Zombies, and I think the Animals as well. Right. And, um, and he passed away uh, a couple of years ago now. Um, but he was sort of like in all these bands. So, so when it was sort of like, well, you know, name a band from your home county. It was just kind of like, I, I don't know. I had to look it up from St Albans. And then it was just like, oh, hang on a minute. The zombies were from... I had, um, um, I had uh, Billy Lum from the Subways on here a right. couple of uh, weeks ago. And he's from there. Well, from St Albans? Uh, yeah. And, and he went for the zombies as well. He was like, I think it's all we got. <laughs> I think that you could technically say some of the kinks, but I think kinks would be London. Yeah. And then, um, and then you could technically say uh, some of the animals. But I think uh, Jim Rodford, he sort of joined, he was kind of like in the new kinks, and so he joined sort of like later. He wasn't part of the original lineup. But then the, the, they're still touring. So he's part of that. He was part of that, um, that touring band. But. Um, yeah, I mean, she's not, she's not there. It's a really great song. That's an amazing record. Um, but um, what was the one that I picked? You you picked. Uh, we well, picked time, time of, of the season. I mean, that's that's incredible. Yeah. They use that, they use that in films all the time as well. It's kind of very like atmospheric. Um, yeah, but this is kind of like this is kind of like, I'm, I'm picking it because that's where I'm from. Yeah, <laughs> you of know course. What I mean? yeah. So it's kind of like, but uh, but yeah, when you realise that, you go, oh look, St Albans did produce something. Um, you, yeah. you, you had another uh, honourable mention for London as well. You threw a Queen track in there as well. Oh, it? Fat Bottom Girls mm. by Queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, our Queen. A queen from London, I suppose you go know, like Queen are from London, but then it's just kind of like, who's from London? Rolling Stones are from London. Yeah. But are they from London? I guess, I, I guess, I guess they're from London. Um, but like Amy Winehouse was sort of such a part of London. I met her once. Really? In the pub. How was that? It was weird. Where was that? Um, what's the pub in Camden that has the mules on the outside? Uh, oh, it would have been uh, the oh god uh, the pub that she was always in uh, yeah well she was in it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that makes sense and she was alive as well so it's just kind of like so the context is sort of like slightly different but she just yeah it was kind of like it was yeah um, what I would say is that she, I was talking to my friend and uh, he had an interesting he has an interesting haircut and she came over to talk to him about his hair. And um, 
she said, here, you got a nice haircut. And he went, oh, thanks. And, um, but we were like mid-sentence, so I was just like, I don't care who you are, you're being rude. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, so she just cut into our conversation. Yeah, you got a nice haircut. He goes, thanks. He goes, yeah. People say, I've got a nice haircut. Uh, do you think... Uh, do you think people come over to look at my hair or do you think they've come over to look at my massive tits because she'd just had implants? Yeah. And I said, they're not that big, Amy. And then <laughs> we carried on our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and she kind of like was like put out and she walked off. Um, but uh, she was beautiful. Like uh, every time they put like a picture of her in like the newspaper, they always had her snarling and sort yeah. of like getting out of a car and, you know, being uh, drunk and intoxicated and all that stuff. And she always, they always like used to try and make her look as awful as possible. And when I saw her in real life, she was, she's, uh, she was stunning. She was one of the most beautiful people that I'd ever seen. Um, yeah. That's the tabloids doing it. Absolutely. Last track, Nick. A song that many may not know that you would like them to listen to. Oh, uh, Say Goodbye to Little Joe by Steve Forbert. Um, I know nothing about this. Do you know anything about Steve Forbert? No. Nobody knows anything about Steve Forbert. It's so so weird. He was sort of like... um, He was almost very big at the end of the 70s, early 80s. He's sort of like a folk pop singer, and he was um, he was being hailed as the new Dylan, or but sort of like Bruce Springsteen was sort of like filling that market as well at the same time. So he was sort of like a cross between this um, Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan sort of American, uh, American, um, and uh, and he, like he was like a cultural touchstone at the time. Like, um, so there's Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun music video, and at the end of it, her boyfriend turns up to her house party in a tuxedo and sort of like, and that's Steve Forbes. Right. And um, uh, so kind of like he was hanging around with all those people. I think what happened, I don't, I don't really know really that much about him. Um, my favourite, like, talking about favourite albums, one of my favourite albums of all time, hands down, is Jack Rabbit Slim by Steve Forbes. It's an absolutely beautiful, uh, magical album. Um, it's kind of like a combination of sort of like Hammond organ and uh, uh, acoustic guitar tracks uh, and harmonica. And he's just got this absolutely incredible voice. I'm like really trying hard to get my dad into it. He was play. He played in kind of um, uh, Bush Hall in Shepherd's Bush last year, and I, you know, took my dad and my mum to see him. Um, and he's kind of like, he doesn't play in front of big crowds of people. I think what happened was that um, he was being controlled a lot by his record label and he didn't want to do any of that. And he wanted to do more political stuff. Uh, and so he kind of like took a step away from it. Um, and I think it's been at the detriment of his sort of like success. I think he's probably d- does a lot better in America. But yeah, he's just, um, yeah, he's just sort of like this. It, it, in a way, I'm ha- I, 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 I'm glad because he's mine, you mm. know. Um, but in another way, it's kind of like it's a lonely existence being a Steve Forbert fan because you try and talk to people about him and, and nobody really knows who he is. 
but when they do listen to him, uh, that album, Jack Rabbit Slim, he's got other albums. I mean, he's just released another album this year. Um, or maybe it was last year and it got remastered this year. But, I mean, I've just literally bought it, I bought it on vinyl for my dad's birthday. I'm just, like, forcing him to like him. Because it's just like, he does all the things that you like, Dad. Why aren't you into Steve Forbert? Also, it stops my uh, mum and sister from playing Michael Bublé at Christmas. So, so that also has selfish, yeah. <laughs> selfish reasons. Um, but, yeah, it's just like this really... And the reason I got into him was I went into... I was in Brighton... Uh, the, the 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 album cover, the pose on the album cover for Jack Rabbit Slim is fucking ridiculous. It's this black and white. It, so it's this, it's a white cover with a red border, black and white image of this kind of like awkward looking man. Uh, it's not deliberate. I think he's he, I think he's genuinely doing his coolest rock and roll pose with his guitar, and he's got like um, the, his his shirt has been painted green on the black and white picture. And on the back, there's a postcard of uh, this tiny little man riding a massive uh, rabbit in a cowboy outfit. And um, the man's in the cowboy outfit, the rabbit's not, right? Right. And, um, <laughs> and, it, it, and it's just like this mental album cover where you're just like, I don't know, I don't know what this is. So I was in a vintage shop and in Brighton, when I was living in Brighton in 2005, um, and I was think I was just buying clothes or something. I was looking for a shirt or something. And there was they used albums, old albums that no one had heard of, yeah. to uh, to decorate the shop. And I saw that album. I just thought that looks awful. Yeah. That looks like one of the, he looks ridiculous. Yeah. The album artwork is silly. Uh, I reckon that's probably got to be the worst album cover I've ever seen. So I bought it. I've still got the price tag on it. It's like I think it was like two pounds fifty. So I bought it. Didn't listen to it for like three months. Uh, had like a vinyl um, a record player upstairs in my room in Brighton, and it was right. I lived in the attic, and in the summer, the sun would melt the vinyl, and in the winter it would freeze it. Yeah. You know, I was like I had two plug sockets that were right at the far end, and no radiator. It was yeah. just a horrible nightmare living in Brighton. And um, and then I listened to this. One day I just listened to the album and just put it on. And it was just like I'd had this piece of genius in my possession for three months and I hadn't listened to it. And then all of a sudden it sort of my my brain exploded. I just thought, this is great. I've got I've got some of his other albums. I don't love them as much as Jack Rabbit Slim. I don't know whether that's because it's the first album I heard or because it's just genuinely it's caught lightning in a bottle. Yeah. But um, uh, I would just recommend that. And Say Goodbye to Little Joe is just... Um, there's, I mean, the single off that album really is Romeo's tune, which is... If anyone has heard of any of his songs... In actual fact, it came on the radio the other day and I was absolutely, you know, gobsmacked. It was yeah. just kind of like... how I've literally never heard it, anyone even reference it. And then what all of a sudden... What station played that? I, I, I think I was in an Uber. And it was just, it came on, and you go, uh, 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 there's no one around. <laughs> the driver didn't care. Just like, no one around to say, oh, my God, they're playing it, they're playing it. Um, but, um, so Romeo's tune is sort of like the single off of that. But, um, but Say Goodbye to Little Joe is just a beautiful song. And Steve Forbert's got, is incredibly talented. And, uh, you know... I've seen him twice. Uh, once I went by myself, and um, 
once I went with my family, both times he's been drunkenly heckled from the stage, uh, from, from off stage. And, um, and you just think, he hasn't got a huge audience and he deserves better than this. Mm. Why would you get a ticket to see him <coughs> if you weren't a fan? Because Oh, they were a fan. But they just... They were, they were so drunk that they were just sort of like uh, just requesting the same stuff over and over again. And he was just... The first time he got visibly frustrated and I think the person got removed. Second time, he just talked to them and the audience was sort of like, shut up! And um, he was just like, no, no, no. And, you know, he, was, he, was, he dealt with it pretty good. But I would just be like, you know, if I have drunk hecklers and stuff... You don't take it, I don't ever take it personally, but I am just sort of like, this is a waste of everyone's time. Yeah. Because I have, I've, I've written a thing, and we can either listen to that, or we can listen to me dealing with this bell end for yeah. fucking 40 minutes. Yeah. Do you think them DJs were saying that about you every time you asked for Mankind by Pearl Jam? No, because I wasn't shouting it. I was going <laughs> up, I got in line, and I queued up. And then I said, can you play Mankind? And do you know what? They were worse because they said, yeah, maybe. That's what DJs do, Nick. They say yes and they never play yeah. it. Yeah, because they just want you to spend money at the bar. Sometimes I even get the record and I put it up on its side so it pokes up so they can see that I'm going to play it from... I'm not going to play it. Life's cruel. Yeah, but also if people requested stuff off me, I wouldn't do it. Be funny. No, not on your not on your Nelly, mate. <laughs> so um I, I imagine that there is some uh, some some Nick Helm being funny coming up soon. What's happening? Oh, I go back on tour in April and I do the second half of my uh uh Phoenix from the Flames tour, uh which I've really enjoyed. <laughs> Surprisingly really enjoyed. Um but yeah, this second this second leg is kind of like, why are we doing this again? <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I'm doing at the moment. And if people want to find out about that, where's the best place? Uh, on my website, nickhelm.co.uk, or uh, just Google uh, Nick Helm tickets, and then you can get them. Oh, I'm working on my third studio album as well. That's what I'm doing. Okay, so are you happy when I put this out, if I tag you in it and people on the social media can come and find you that way? Um... Yes. All right. Okay. Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah cool. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Nick, thanks so much, mate. No, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. There you have it. What a lovely chat. What a lovely chap. Um, so thanks ever so much for Nick for giving up his time and, and coming and chatting tunes. And thank you to you lot for giving up an hour and, and, and listening to that. Um, much appreciate all your support. Um, as mentioned at the beginning, if you do enjoy this podcast, um, please go and have a look in the back catalogue um, because there's lots of other chats with comedians and actors and musicians and producers talking about the tunes that have soundtracked their creative journey. I'll be back next week with another episode. If you can't wait, head over to Patreon and, uh, and sign up there to get your midweek episode from there. That's me done. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you 
all about the podcasts. You maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 